Peanuts Gallery is brought to you by The Hustle, The Bump, The Chicken, and all of those other new dances. The Hustle, The Bump, The Chicken, and all of those other new dances. They're all part of a night you'll never forget. Unless you're Charlie Brown. In which case, go to the emergency room, you blockhead! Once I have written a theme song, it will go here. This is Peanuts Gallery. I'm Molly Lewis. And I'm Josh Kagan. And today we're talking about 1977's It's Your First Kiss, Charlie Brown. Unremarkable in every conceivable way. Uh, And although the titular (laughs) action does happen, the rest of the episode is, uh, and I, I say this with all due respect, a cruel lie. Uh, so to combat this, we've brought out the big guns this week, uh, with one of my favorite YA authors whose name does not rhyme with Schmela Schmagen. Uh, Ms. <laughs> Maureen Goo is the author of several books for young adults, including I Believe in a Thing Called Love, which received star- starred reviews from Kirkus and Publishers Weekly, and the brand spanking new The Way You Make Me Feel, which I am tempted to sing every time I say it, and for the uh, purposes of everyone's sanity, I will not. Uh, Bustle called it the diverse summer rom-com you really need this year, and uh, son of a gun, they're right, it's goddamn great. Maureen, welcome to the big show. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. How yeah. is uh, how is how is promotion season going? The last I saw you, you were in uh, Culver City's own ripped bodice uh, romantic novel and bookstore. Uh, uh, plug in uh, the way you make me feel. Um, it's even yep, weird yep. to say as a sentence. Um, <laughs> and uh, have you? But it's but it's great. Uh, how how has this been treating you? How's been going around uh, selling your brushes uh, from town to town? Going. Uh, you know, it's been really great. Actually, I've, I really enjoy the social promotion aspect of it. Um, I mean, it's a lot. So it's kind of like I'm supposedly on deadline for another book, but I can't, you know, I put my book on hold for like two months so that I could do all this promo stuff, but it's been great. I love meeting readers. I love, uh, talking about myself and my book all the time. And, um, I have a few more events, but summer's kind of like a slow time for promotion. But I'm honestly, I'm really glad to take a break because I'm a little, little burnt out. And you split your time between here in the, in the United States of America and China. Yeah. Um, I would say I am here way more. Uh, I thought I would be kind of like part time living in China. Uh, my husband, is working there. So we moved technically last fall and I've been there for a couple months at a time coming back here. But because of this book and all the promo, I've been here since April and I think I'm going to stay throughout the summer because it's just a lot more pleasant here than, <laughs> uh, in like the tropical climate of the city that we're staying in, um, which is Shaman. It's close to like Hong Kong and Taiwan. So it's pretty much like a mosquito, uh, humid nightmare in the summer. Um, so I have an excuse of like promoting my book to stay in LA. <laughs> Perfect. And, uh, and, and if that ever falls through, certainly you'll have China's board of tourism to join. Uh, <laughs> China is a lovely country. It really is though. Um, it's the city that I'm in is so nice in the winter and spring. And I think late fall, it gets, you know, cools off again, but I'm just, you know, I'm from California, so I can't do humidity. I'm just like a total wimp. So I'm okay. Oh no. I, I grew up I grew up on the East Coast and uh moved here about ten years ago. Uh and 
anytime there is like 1% humidity in the air, I want to write like a strong letter to the LA Times. Like I feel, I feel personally offended. I know we had kind of a humid summer last year and that was really awful. No, 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 no. Yeah, we're not no. allowed. It's it's 80 degrees in Seattle right now, which is hot for Seattle. But a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, by the time this recording goes out, I was in Tennessee and it was 103 and Tennessee. It was oh the God. worst. And my friends were just like walking to gigs and like their jackets, like carrying their pedal boards. And I was like, you gonna die. What are you doing? It's kind of like, how are you living? Um, are you not noticing the air right now? This is a sign from God that no one is supposed to live here. I know. I went to Nashville a few, like a few summers ago and I could not believe it. Like I didn't even want to like walk outside of any buildings. Uh, you're listening, you're listening to humidity chat. <laughs> if you couldn't gather, there's not a lot to this peanut special that we have. We're like, how do we avoid talking about it? No, we're going to, we're going to get into it, fam. We got this. Uh, let me, uh, let me hit us all with the synopsis. Synopsis. A football game happens in real time. A boy suffers a devastating concussion. Also, a dog can fly, and everyone's cool with it. Um, so right off the bat, uh, when I saw the title of this episode, I was like, Maureen Goo, in the we got this money in the bank. Uh, because Maureen, you are I, I don't want to be reductive or anything, but you are in the rom com YA novel biz. This is your stock and trade for the most part. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say that people project a lot more romance on my books <laughs> that actually exist, but, um, I will gladly take the rom-com because I think it's, you know, I do a lot of humor and then I still have the teen romance. So it's kind of like the most accurate way of describing my books. Um, my next one is like a actual rom-com where it's the romance is like the, uh, you know, the main, um, plot. So, um, yeah, I was excited for this episode. I was like, Charlie Brown's going to get kissed? What's the concept? Is it like crush stuff? Before we dive in, and we talked a little before uh, the big episode kicked off, Maureen, but uh, what is your user experience with the uh, Browniverse growing up as far as watching the specials or reading the strips go? Yeah, you know, I did actually read the strips in my little local newspaper. Um, and I had a few, I think like Peanuts books, you know, that gathered, uh, compiled some of the strips. Sure. And I actually have a very close relationship to the Thanksgiving special. Oh. Um, for some reason, that's the only one I watched all the time. And we had like, um, <laughs> you know, they used to make books that were like based on movies and TV, right? So they had like a Peanuts chapter book based on that Thanksgiving special. So I read that book like a million times and I watched that special a million times. So that's like my fondness for, um, and I, I watched like, I watched the main ones, like the Christmas one. And I listened to that soundtrack like every year I watched the, uh, great pumpkin one. Um, but I think those are it, you know, that's, that's pretty much what I watched growing up. And the, and Christmas and, uh, Halloween are consistently the two. Uh, like if you had like a metal stand, like Olympic style of everyone's yeah. favorite Charlie Brown specials, it's always Christmas and then Halloween and then some surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think your your metal stand and mine look are are very similar because I definitely rank Thanksgiving way up there. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think I, I just as a kid I, I might have had that book first in a like mm-hmm. a weird thing where I just randomly ordered that book, and then 
that's why that became my favorite special because I remember every little detail. And it was one of the ones they played on TV a lot too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not this one. Not this one though. <laughs> uh, I wonder why. This is it's it's the old it's the old bait and switch uh, with this one. We are pro- as we said up front, we were we were promised kissing, we were promised romance, we were promised uh, promanced. We were <laughs> promised Lamore. Uh, and Maureen, uh, I, and so I'm sure even though you write, you know, there are romances in your book. One of the things that I really like about, uh, the new book, the way you make me feel is that it's kind of, it, it's more of a friend mance than it is a romance. Mm-hmm. Like it's a really cool story of two people becoming buddies. Uh, which I, you know, and there's a lot of that there, you know, there's a lot of friendship. There's a lot of romance. There is a lot of, uh, unrequited love in the peanuts universe. And I was like, dope. We got this. <laughs> it is basically, as I said in the synopsis, a football game in real time. In real time, for sure. <laughs> with like, with like a little at the, almost as if they made a football special and they made a kissing special and they were like, guys, we got a real problem. Our kissing special is 15 minutes and our football special is 15 minutes. And somebody was just like, why not both? I feel like the, the kissing special was like five minutes. There's not a lot. There's not a or lot. Or maybe and I was just like that football was just felt like infinity. <laughs> I just couldn't. It's still happening. And they looped they looped the same footage over and over I again. I know. <laughs> it felt like three drafts of the same football special stapled butt to butt to butt. Like <laughs> it didn't feel like a contiguous thing. No. Uh, but it, it starts off with something very cool. And cool slash infuriating. Uh, at S- Snoopy can fly. There's like no other good way to say this. It's not like it's not like landing with style, Buzz what Lightyear style. It's not like Dumbo, who is more of an not so light ultralight aircraft or a glider. Snoopy's ears do a full 360 degree rotation, and he flies like a helicopter. Uh- a bird and I'm sure. A bird sits in his lap and flies him. What the hell? It's through the looking glass, people. It's 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 not cloud cuckoo land, it's dog cuckoo land. Um hey Maureen, did you know Snoopy could fly? And what were your reactions <laughs> to the knowledge that Snoopy could fly? You know, I don't think I was as shocked as you guys because Snoopy's existence in the Peanuts universe has always annoyed me so much. I hate Snoopy. Oh. I know. When I was a kid, I was like, F Snoopy. He's the worst dog. He makes everything worse. And then he always had these like abilities, you know? So you guys are saying he could fly, but I'm like, he was able to save Thanksgiving too. And then Thanksgiving special because suddenly he knew how to cook. Um, and I, you know, it reminds me of like Gandalf <laughs> or something where like, why couldn't you do this the whole time? Like, that's how I feel about Snoopy. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I flash, uh, I flash back, uh, a- a- as I try not to ever, I flash back to, uh, whatever prequel R2D2 was just like, yes. oh shit, uh, I'm in trouble. I guess I need to fly now. And I'm just sitting there like everyone else in America who's just like, you do what? And why haven't, like, y'all, if I could fly, I would be doing it constantly. Just popping just- sky wheelies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
even I would just be like an inch off the ground. Just like because first of all, uh my dad was six four and my mom is the opposite of six four, and so I am a boring average five eleven. And man oh man, if I could just get like one little inch, one little boop, you know, just like a, a little hover, that I, I would I would not want for anything else in this world. Um it's very frustrating. But what we do get is a a lovely overview of the town, which mm-hmm. I appreciated. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was nice to see uh I feel like we only kind of see it from the kids eye level. So it was nice to see like, oh, this is an actual town with businesses and, and people walking around. Kids mostly, of course, because this is the adultless child universe. Uh but uh and then we land at a parade. Uh, and my thoughts immediately turn to uh, my co-host and producer and the founder of our feast, Ms. Molly Lewis. Uh, uh-huh. uh, because uh, as a, uh, I think what you and Maureen both, uh, a fair amount in common, uh, carbon-based life forms and all that, uh, but uh, uh, you are also a SoCal kid. And Molly, you grew up uh, working and interning and like volunteering for the Rose Bowl Parade. This is true. I glued beans to the side of a top. Oh was, my gosh! I got I got volunteer hours to towards uh, my graduation for gluing beans to a top. Wait a minute! You got like you got credit? Yeah, it was. We needed a ten hours of community service to. It was a graduation requirement, and so I, with this club, we would shuttle out to Pasadena early in the morning and. There was one year where I glued beans to this top that was on the back side of a parade, like not the TV side, because there was prestige to getting the TV side, but we never did because we were children. Uh, and one year I picked uh, seeds out of uh, cotton, and one year I glued onion seeds to that thing that people stand on when they're on the float. It was very glamorous, you guys. <laughs> I volunteered for that, too. We had to do you it did? for um, in high school for Key Club. Like every year it was like, okay, who's going to help volunteer? And I think I only did it once. And I just remember, yeah, it was like this giant hanger or something. It was super Mm -hmm. unglamorous. And I just had buckets of like little like chrysanthemum buds or something. And it was so tedious. Did you, did your folks like watch the parade on TV and go, which one did you decorate? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't remember. I think we always helped with the city of Glendale one because I grew up in Glendale. Um, sure. That was our high school. But I, I do, um, yeah, I, I like the, the Rose Parade. I don't know. I feel like I'm supposed to be proud of it, but I find parades so boring. Same. I found it to be a relief when I moved away from California and found that nobody outside of California really gives a crap about the Rose Parade. That's like, really funny you say that because my friend's mom, who grew up in the Midwest, she said that they would dream about California because of the Rose Parade because it'd be, you know, January. And it'd be sunny and everyone was like wearing shorts. Oh. Um, so that's why she moved out here. <laughs> My mom always joked that that was happening. Like, oh, look, Gladys, there's sunshine in California. Let's go. <laughs> and then like they move out and their house slides down a hill and all that stuff. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> this is all this is all so SoCal as hell. Like, I feel like <laughs> I did not I did not I, I just sort of hid in the theater department and like cleaned out the makeup bucket and like organized the uh the costume room uh, for extra credit and graduation credit. I was never, uh, I never had to glue beans to anything. I've never <laughs> cared about parades one way or the other. I watched the Thanksgiving day parade because like you got to do something when you're making sweet potatoes mm-hmm. at nine o'clock in the morning. 
but I just I'm I, I don't get too I don't get too sucked up by Josh, it. Did, did did Hartford have parades? Did you have like local parades? Uh I mean I I think on Fourth of July, like the Shriners went down the street and threw like candy, but not even good candy. It was like tiny rolls of wintergreen <laughs> lifesavers, which uh, is like what are we yeah, exactly that what is we, not candy. No, it's not. That's look. That's life in New England. We also believe Neko. We believe Neko wafers are candy, and I don't know what kind of like fucking pilgrim shit that is. <laughs> They're just placebo medicine. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just chalk. Uh, this this parade, on the other hand, seems like uh, in the special, everyone seems very excited about it, and we see both uh, the the homecoming queen's court float. Uh, and we learn an important distinction in uh, the Peanuts universe, which is to say, if you are a lady and you have rosy cheeks, you are pretty. Uh, the corollary to that is, if you are a boy and you have rosy cheeks, you are embarrassed. So, so there was- and the eyelashes, I I yeah, hated. Eyelashes. Yeah, the, just like just the bullshit. Like now, there's some kind of like binary. There's some kind of like status marker in this universe and in this animation style. It made me so mad. <laughs> well, and they the the girly girls had to close their eyes all the time so you could see the eyelashes. I feel like that the little redheaded girl she had her eyes closed like most of the time she was on it was her court and also the cheerleaders at the the aforementioned 15 minute football game that happens in real time one of them may or may not be frida did you pick up on that as well no frida frida at some point at the at the dance at the end uh where charlie brown gets the eponymous first kiss um Like, cause like the, the queen and her, and her court had like all these dresses, but like all the regular sort of peasant girls had just like corsages. That was their, their formal wear. But Frida was definitely in that group. Well, I will put their normal costumes with the corsage. (laughs) I will, I will say I, I was of two minds about the fact that the gals in this universe that we know wouldn't just be the homecoming court. But then I was like, well, no, Lucy and Peppermint Patty wanted to play football, which seems completely dope. Also in this universe, yeah. no problem with a co-ed football team. Thumbs up there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't make me care mm-hmm. about a 15-minute football game, but was, I was like, oh, that's nice. Uh, but uh, I, so right away, I will ask the question. I did not go to a single dance or attend a single football game in uh, like grade school, junior high school, high school, college. Never, never, ever, ever, not on Uh my to-do list, not on my bucket list. So for all I know, the way that this unfolds in the special with the idea that there is like a homecoming queen's court and then gentlemen and then there are kissing protocols, this, I I mean, it feels like a teacher should get in trouble. Uh, It feels like there (laughs) needs to be a hashtag campaign. But uh, y'all, I I will open this up uh, to the collective fam. Um. Is any of this jibe with either of your school experiences? Uh, I mean, I, so the only football game I probably ever went to was homecoming and it was in line with the homecoming dance. And we did have a homecoming court that uh, the princesses and queen and princes and king. Um, but nobody had to like kiss anybody. No mandatory kissing, Maureen? That was a weird rule. Uh, It was an honor for Charlie Brown. Well, yeah. And so let's, so we see the homecoming queen float uh, with their uh, ermine eyelashes and uh, barosi cheeks. (laughs) 
and then we see the homecoming dude court float, which is just our guys who do not have to get dressed up. No extra eyelashes, no no rouge for those. It's just like, and that follows, uh, we follow that through the end, actually. Uh, but, uh, and they're all sitting there and Charlie Brown, I'm, okay, I'm really, I'm just going to say it up front. I'm really worried about Charlie Brown's brain in general, because <laughs> it seems like he's in some sort of memento slash Dory loop where every 10 to 15 minutes, he just seems to have a hard reset. Uh, like, I feel like somebody threw a bag <laughs> over his head, threw him on this float, pulled the bag off, and the parade started. Because he's like, hey, Linus, what's going on and what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> and Linus very patiently explains, oh, well, we're the homecoming court, and uh, tonight we're going to escort these ladies, and you got to dance with them, and you got to give them a kiss, and that, and that's your lady, Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown's like, wah, 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 wah. And I'm just, I, maybe football season was hard on him. Maybe he was getting hit in the head a lot. But I I found myself really wondering, how did he get here in the first place? See, at, at the end of this episode, they, they, you know, after the footballs and after the smooching and after the dancing, there's, he like wakes up in bed. There's a hard cut to him waking up in bed. And I went, oh, that makes sense. It was all a dream. And then it wasn't all a dream. No. Like for just a shining moment, everything made sense. Like that was did, a plausible explanation. But he didn't know about anything that happened. I was like, were you roofied? I just assumed it was like some sort of Brazil style, like Sam Lowry flying away from his captors kind of situation. The se- the, nope. The second Brazil reference this season, uh, to give you an idea of how down the rabbit hole we are. Um, yeah, he just, he doesn't know anything and he forgets what little he knows from second to second. Uh, but uh, as Maureen pointed out, uh, Charlie Brown's date which he did not know about until the second he got, you know what, before you get on a float, ask some questions. Just ask some questions. That's a little PSA. That's a tip you can take to the bank. Uh, if you're like, hey, we're going to be on a float. Oh, hey, that's cool. Hey, weird question. Is there any mandatory kissing involved? Because that may or may not be in. Uh, well, I point- feel like Linus just controls his life. He's like a very controlling best friend. He's always telling him, like, here's the next thing you're going to do. But we have to figure he's he's working for Lucy in some capacity then, right? Because <laughs> mm, Lucy... Yes, to, yes. So, Maureen, to give you as quick of a recap of the, the bizarre universe that we have created for this, in the Penis universe, there was some sort of toxic airborne event, not the jam band, uh, that, uh, uh, that caused all of the children to stop growing and all of the adults to turn into gelatinous lumps of meat who can only talk like this. And and Lucy uh, is the sort of god mayor of this matriarchal compound uh, that mm-hmm. contains the rest of the Peanuts gang. Pretty easy. Okay. Pretty easy. <laughs> yep, yep. Check. check. All oh, that all, too. that all checks out. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So maybe... This sort of bossy control. Linus also flips personalities from episode to episode. We have episodes where he's a really nice, like, good, supportive friend. And then episodes like this where he just sort of rattles off knowledge. And I have to assume that I, that he's working for Big Lucy. Here. <laughs> um, Wait, are they siblings? 
Lucy and Linus. Yes, okay. Who's yes. siblings? Yeah, they're siblings, right? Okay, yeah. L- Lucy and Linus Van Pelt, and then Charlie uh, Brown and uh, Sally, who I don't think we see in this episode, are siblings. Uh, so she's too young to play football or go to dances. Yeah. So she's except she's out. exactly the same size as them. Yeah, Linus is younger than the rest of the kids, and he's fine. Oh, I don't. That's know. That's why he has the blankie. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yes. To stand on and provide hype. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so the uh, the girl that Charlie Brown is going to get his eponymous first kiss uh, from, this is kind of a big deal. Uh, it's Heather, a.k.a. the little red-haired girl. This was her first appearance in any form of the Peanuts canon. Uh, she didn't appear in the strip until 1998, and even then it was in Shadow. Uh, oh. she, and she has popped up a couple of times uh, in the episodes here and there. Uh, but uh, but don't worry. Of course, she does not talk or have agency. Don't be yep. silly. And and Schultz was loath to draw the little red haired girl, but felt like he was sort of uh, put in a corner for this because obviously, if Charlie Brown was going to kiss somebody, it was going to be her. Uh, and it was. Uh, I think they actually got some letters and stuff uh, when the episode dropped. Uh, because people didn't necessarily ever want to see her because some things are just better left imagined, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they're right, I think. Yeah. <laughs> In it, this case, they were correct. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, it's weird. I think about like, and we've talked about on the show, like what lessons we've gotten kind of right and wrong from the Peanuts universe. And I have, uh, I've steadfastly found that any love related advice that the penis universe has to give is very bad. Um, and, uh, and definitely like the idea that love to a certain extent is a burning yearning crush that just sort of rocks you to your soul, but you can literally never do anything about it. Like that's the way it has to go. And I definitely remember being in like fourth grade and being like, well, I guess I have to have a crush on somebody now. Because that's like how these things work. Uh, Maureen, as someone who uh, partially operates in the rom-com space, uh, although is just a great writer all around, 360 degrees, uh, what kind of what kind of lessons in Lamore did you pick up from the entertainment you absorbed as a little kid, and uh, and how valid or invalid uh, did did it find uh, did it serve you? now as a grown-up adulting person? Wow, that's a really good question, actually, because I love to – I have this rant about the American narrative of romance. Um, Here we go. I love – The floor is yours. I mean, I love romance um, as like a genre in all entertainment, like books, uh, movies. Um, I embrace it. I love it. I think it's great, Um, and I think it has value. However, I think, especially growing up as a Korean American kid, um, you consume this one story of how American love should be, which is somewhere in your teens, you start being, um, romantic minded or something, or even as a kid, right? Even as a kid, you have crushes and blah, blah, blah. And then in your teens, you, you have your first kiss usually around like middle school age, it should be a real first kiss. And then you have to date in high school or you have to like, you know, at least want to date. Um, And then 
slash be sexually active. And then in college, you're just supposed to have all this sex and have fun and like always be making out. And this is like your quote unquote, like slutty phase. And then in your twenties, you're supposed to date a lot. You date a lot of people and you have like fun times dating. And then like you get married. So I just feel like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I have been friends with many, many women. I have a lot of friendships. I usually only have really close female friendships. And I would say like 80% of these women have not had this experience. Like we've had so many different experiences. Most of us were late bloomers. Most of us were not sexually active till we're late, like, you know, in your twenties. And a lot of my friends now who are, we're in our mid thirties are not married, don't want to have kids, don't really care about being married. So it's just kind of like, I find it really interesting because I think it was the media that you consume that thinks so part of like, I actually have strong feelings about me writing actual romance in my YA novels. I resisted it at first because I actually don't, I don't really believe in teen romance. I know that's really controversial for me to say. I just think that most teens think they're supposed to care about that because supposedly we're so hormonal, but I think you can be hormonal and not actually want a boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, like that's why people, that's why girls had, there's like Beatlemania. Um, when I was in high school, it was like boy bands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a safe way for girls to be horny, but like none of us actually want to have sex. Same with like, and I'm not like shaming girls who wanted to have sex. I'm sure there were a lot and it's fine and they should want to have sex as much as boys. But it just, for me, I'm like, I just don't think that's how everybody feels. But then you watch all this American media that like romanticizes like romance. Anyways, this Charlie Brown's first kiss is part of the problem. (laughs) I'm like, how old are they? Why does he have to have his first kiss? Why are they forcing it? And why do they have to go to these dumb dances and be put in this like these fake courtship rituals that like they don't even understand yet it's very hand it's very handmaid's tale uh if i may uh if i may that wedding ceremony from handmaid's tale yes terrifying i and and you Mm -hmm. just and at the end charlie brown and the the court the uh the homecoming queens like male court all have to wear these little pilgrim ties also not cool, also very puzzling. But uh, but I want to pursue this just like one more beat before we get back to this terrible, stupid children's special. Um, you were you were you were talking <laughs> about the uh, sort of the way that America sells the idea of courtship. Uh, your uh, your previous mm-hmm. book, uh, I believe in a thing called love, which I will also not sing, although I'm very tempted to. Um, <laughs> talks a lot about uh, it, basically it centers around the idea of the protagonist using uh, K dramas, Korean soap operas, uh, to kind of get all of mm-hmm. uh, their lessons in l'amour and courtship and that sort of thing. And, and, and not to put you on the spot, but can you speak a little to how? At least in the media and via K dramas, uh, there the attitudes towards love and romance and courtship differs from the spiel, the kind of standard spiel of uh, American romance and courtship. Sure, um, I actually compare K dramas a lot to um, like Jane Austen type stories. They're all about these like social mores and like um, class systems. That's where all the conflicts are. And then you always, always want to get married. And then you end with marriage. 
So not all K-dramas are like that because there are some that I think are a little more progressive and think outside of that formulaic um, type of thing. But in general, that's why K-dramas are so pleasant though, because there is something about that that is, um, it's just fun to watch. It's like a, it's like a rom-com uh, feeling as well. Like why people like to watch rom-coms, you know, it's going to have a happy ending and you know, like there's either like there's a meet cute or there's like hate to love or there's like something gets in the way. And then right as they're, you know, um, falling in love, some, something happens in the third act that like blows everything up. Right. So K dramas follow all of that. But yeah, growing up Korean, um, they're just way more conservative than America. Um, I think in a generation or two, that'll change completely, but, um, it's, they're, way more old fashioned about their love stories. Um, nobody ha has sex on screen in any of these things. Um, I think only like a handful of K dramas I've watched in my entire life. And I've watched a ton have had premarital sex, like actually implied. Um, huh. yeah. And teenagers, I mean, they, I think nowadays they have teen, so romance exists with kids. They always have like, actually Koreans love talking about first love, which is when you're a kid, you have this first love that never leaves you. Um, but it's always so innocent, like so pure and like chaste. Um, maybe they'll share like a peck on the cheek or like a really warm embrace. Um, but there's no like full on, they wouldn't talk about a first kiss is like the big thing for like little kids or anything. Um, and yeah, I do think it's a little more old fashioned. I'm not saying that it's better or worse, but I kind of feel like it doesn't put this expectation on teenagers and young people that you have to like be in a love story, your own love story right away. So would you say the, uh, would you say the love story as it is in like, because it is, it is the episode, uh, at hand. The love story is relatively chaste, and the kiss is yes. a peck on the cheek. Yeah. Um, but it makes him, you... like, lose his mind. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, like, honestly, like, I was a dork enough kid that I thought for sure that some sort of weird conscripted ritual like this was the only circumstance in which I would get smooched, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and just that they had to set up this whole trapping for, like, well, why is Charlie Brown going to kiss somebody? Well, he has to. Well, why does he have to? Because it's tradition. You know, because it's smooching day. It's yeah. mandatory smooching day here in seven-year-old land. <laughs> he is the queen's appointed smoocher. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's kind of like the whole having sex at prom, senior prom thing. I'm just like, who made up these rules? I feel like no one actually ever did these things. That somebody oh, said I sure it, and shit didn't. like a, mm -mm. a movie, like a movie writer, you know, wrote this. Like, and and everybody thinks that this is what all American teens do. It's like very weird to me. Well, and I think uh, when we talked to um, our pal Joseph Scrimshaw about the Thanksgiving special, one of the themes that he pointed out that I see a lot in the specials we've watched since is it's a lot of the Peanuts kind of imitating what adults do and doing like just kind of upholding traditions and things just because they're sort of stumbling towards what it means to be an adult. And Joseph held that that's what Thanksgiving is all about. And that's why that special <laughs> is so <laughs> such a, an honest portrayal of what Thanksgiving is. But this very much feel like in the way Charlie Brown approaches this tradition, like, well, Charlie Brown, you have to smooch the lady. Why me? Why do I have to smooch the lady? Well, because you're on the court, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Like, it's sort of the yeah. circular thing. Did the rest of them smooch? I don't, I think only the queen, I think that's what makes her the queen. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I will bestow this upon one 
lucky man. And that a person, gentleman called and that person in a pilgrim tie. In a pilgrim tie. And that person is Charlie Brown, who nobody likes and who is terrible at everything. I know. Um, perfect. Who is perfect majorly sense. concussed. Yes. <laughs> who, who seems to gray in and out of reality and does not know where he is from one moment to the next. Him, the broken one. I will take him. <laughs> yeah. And it's his, uh, his lifelong true blue crush. And of course he is, uh, he is panicked about it. And of course he should be mm-hmm. because who wants to know? Who wants their first kiss? I mean, there's enough pressure, as Maureen pointed out, like, you're going to have your first kiss and it's going to be like this. But to have it, like, conscripted by the village elders is just like, <laughs> it's no bueno. It's, it's terrible. Um, I feel like Linus made that up. Linus made all of this up. He is a puppet master. Because it really, it it that's why the, oh, it was all a dream explanation made so much sense to me. Because it's like... It's the mix of like, oh, no, my first kiss, I'm unprepared. And also it's in front of everybody. And also I just like totally whiffed it at the football game. And also I have a head injury. Like it all just seemed like dream logic. (laughs) It was actually kind of a surreal episode. It was hard for me to pay attention and follow it because of that. I found myself. I I don't think that's on you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, uh, let's, let's use, let's use a very heavy thumb on the fast forward button to get through the next 15 minutes of this football game. Uh, we, uh, because now we are into a football game. And, uh, I think the three of us had the same experience, which is, Oh, okay. A little bit of football. And then Charlie Brown is going to get like ready for his big date. Maybe there's going to be a funny scene where Linus like teaches him how to dance, like that adorable scene from the trailer from Hitch, because I never fucking saw Hitch. Uh, you know, and there'd be like, <laughs> uh, like romance lessons and shit like that. No, yeah. no, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Get, get, bring a little cushion, sit down in the bleachers with all of the other poorly drawn <laughs> garbage characters, because we are at a football <laughs> game for 15 motherfucking minutes so mad about that uh we uh i I don't have a ton of notes here um we start with a uh with with what i think is actually a pretty funny parody of like before the big game strategy sessions peppermint patty's the coach uh she says some football things which i'm going to assume are how football works because you know there's just so many different like hamburgers to try and and different drop forging reality shows to watch. I never really picked up the rules of football. Uh, my favorite bit from this was that Franklin asked if they were, they're the X's or the O's, which is exactly, I think, the question that I would ask if I were in such a situation. Um, and I also like that they don't have football uniforms. They just put pads and, and helmets on over and under their mm-hmm. everyday clothes. You know what I appreciated about that is Lucy's silhouette is exactly the same, which makes me think that she's wearing football shoulder pads 24-7. <laughs> oh, snap. Belying our sort of post-apocalyptic, like, because in the apocalypse, post-apocalypse, I've watched enough uh, Italian Mad Max ripoff movies to know that as soon as the world as we know it ends, you go on and you put on football gear. Mm-hmm. Did you guys notice that Peppermint Patty had her same sandals but with cleats on the bottom? I appreciated the <laughs> heck out of that, yeah. I did not notice that. Good I eye, I you I rewound two. it. I was, like, I was like, did I just see what I thought yeah, I saw? Yeah, she got feet of steel, that Peppermint Patty. <laughs> oh Why did, I didn't know Birkenstocks made that option. I know. <laughs> 
Um, I, I could just see her like in her basement with a welding torch, like the light just kind of uh, throwing crazy light over her masked face. And then she throws back the welding helmet and she's just like, I've done it. I've created, <laughs> I've created the least safe shoe in the history of shoes. <laughs> well, you know what? Honestly, maybe that's cause like Charlie Brown keeps just goofing it up royal with all these kickoffs, but maybe they, he's the only guy who can do it. Cause Peppermint Patty can't kick with her open toed shoes. It's oh, it just kind of by default. Let let's get That's into true. it. Let's get into it, Molly yeah. Lewis, because uh, what you simple. just you, what you just said is the fake news. The fake news that the kids are saying so much about coming <laughs> coming 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 from Russia these days and points wherever. Um, this is possibly look okay. The pulling away the football bit. It's an evergreen. I get it. I so what happens in this football game is that. There are 92 different opportunities for Charlie Brown to kick a football. Lucy holds it every time. And God, it's like, it's like a Bunwell film where the, uh, where the, th- where the same, like, uh, like the discreet charm of the bourgeois or something where the same thing just happens over and over again. And you never feel like it's going to end. Charlie Brown keeps going for the football. Lucy keeps pulling it away. It and every time my soul died a little more. I will say that I appreciated that she seems to take at this point no joy <laughs> in doing it and may not even be aware that she's doing it. Right. I, I help me out here, friends. What happened? Well, I have a question. I'm sure you guys talk about this on your podcast. I mm-hmm. feel like, in a way, at watching this episode, I felt all my feelings about Charlie Brown again. Which is oh, welcome to us. You go from pity to just hating him so much, and then feeling like feeling like you just deserve this. And I feel like Charles Schultz. I read this, you know, this giant biography on him once that was very unfavorable towards him. But he must be like a masochist or something, because I know, right? Charlie Brown is him, and I'm like, why do you want us to go from sympathy to hating you? It's just there's a lot to unpack there. I yeah, I Molly. Um. Well, here's here's a sort of insight, I guess, about about Charles Schultz. In our, I believe, our next episode, we um, watch an episode where basically Snoopy has a nightmare that he's running on the Iditarod, and it's just basically <sighs> Snoopy being tortured for 20 minutes, and. It is, oh. and Charles Schultz and I think Bill Melendez are both on the record saying that is one of their favorite specials. So maybe as a not fan of Snoopy, you might enjoy that one. I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. But th- they they have a messed up relationship with their own characters, to be sure. And I think that sort of supervisory hand was even lifted more for these animated specials. Yeah, because in this episode, you just want Charlie Brown to shout, hey, everyone, mm-hmm. you have to stop yeah. being mad at me. Because it's very obvious that Lucy keeps pulling the football away and we need to like have a timeout or take a knee or huddle up or all go out for milkshakes or something because I'm not sure why I keep getting blamed for this. And now before we get into this next part, Molly and I discussed this briefly uh, before uh, we, we launched into the episode. Maureen, uh, if you were able to pay attention long enough throughout the football (laughs) scenes, and we can't blame you if you didn't. It was so hard. Did you notice anything odd about a couple swatches of Peppermint Patty's dialogue? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, because I thought I was having some sort of brain event, and uh, Molly pointed this out to me in a chat before we dived in. 
There are a couple of scenes, one at seven and a half minutes, one at around 15 minutes, where Charlie Brown, to also give you an idea of how yes, fucking long this so football long. game goes on, um, the, uh, Lucy uh, pulls the football away from Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown gets pig piled on, and then Peppermint Patty opens her mouth and muted, not trombone talk, but muted like the Red Room on Twin Peaks sounds come out of her mouth. <laughs> what? And I thought I was I thought I was in the upside down or some shit. Uh, here's what happened. Uh, the 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 network got a lot of letters from people who were like, "Hey, but kind of what the three of us are doing now. Hey, y'all. Um, Charlie Brown didn't screw any of that up." And it doesn't make any sense that people are yelling at him, especially Peppermint Patty, because Lucy pulled it away. And so for every time the special was released after that and all of its like uh, home video releases, what they decided to do was backward mask Peppermint Patty's dialogue and just hope that people were on enough 1970s drugs that nobody noticed. There were a lot of quaaludes back then, a lot of reuniti on ice. Hopefully that's just how a lot of people heard the world anyways. That's how they made it through the Nixon administration. Um, but uh, it was – and, and Molly, you actually, uh, audio whiz that you are, you unbackwardsified okay, the dialogue. I did. Okay, so I've got... Here's the original clip. You ready? <laughs> like, what the hell? What? Um, How did I notice that? And Well, because it was in a bunch of crowd noise, mm. um, and it happened twice. So I definitely thought I was having an aneurysm, but here it is reversed. I just wanted us to hear the og backwards before. We- oh, that made me so happy. <laughs> that made that made me so happy. Um, what an odd way to fix a problem that shouldn't have even been a problem in the first place. Molly, and that did not fix any problems. I know, it just created what? more problems. Right, because either you either you didn't notice it at all, and I'll be perfectly honest, had I not read the wiki beforehand, I would not have one ear up for it, so I'm not sure if I would have noticed it. Uh, but Molly, with your ear of gold, you certainly uh, heard it. And uh, and thank you for thank you for that uh, digital wizardry. And it was all, and it's all built on a house of lumps because like in the third act quote, I'm making the biggest air (laughs) quotes. I'm putting on Mickey Mouse hands to make air quotes now. Uh, in the third act, um, everybody, all the, all the gals at the homecoming dance are like, well, we can't believe you're here, Charlie Brown, because you screwed up the entire game and you were terrible. And it's like, well, why didn't you back, why didn't you backward mask that as well? Like what? Yeah, exactly. It made no sense. Oh, it makes no sense. Um, the other thing, uh, the other thing that we get during this football game is some uh, what uh, Maureen. I think you'll be happy to know that we have a phrase around these parts, around these peanut gallery parts, uh, because we. Uh, I don't. I like Snoopy, and I certainly loved Snoopy as a kid. Molly, I, I, I would put you mostly in the same category. You're a, a, a Snoopy 
backer, if not throaty supporter. He was he was kind of I don't know. He he was like Mickey Mouse, but for like artsy kids, you know, like he was sort of over commodified. You could get him in any form, any size of plush, printed on anything. Yes, um, and there's there's a comfort to that. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so around these parts, uh, we have a phrase called Snoopy bullshit. Um, where any episode and as you get in, basically as Snoopy became a thing that was on lunchboxes and hats and backpacks and brake pads and whatever, um, more and more of every episode was sort of set aside so Snoopy could do some bullshit and, and we all had to sit there patiently. Um, and in this episode, uh, Snoopy wrestles with a whistle for what feels like five goddamn minutes. And uh, and Maureen, I don't know if you derived any joy from this because although it is boring as hell and not funny, I did get some I did get some amusement from the idea that everybody at the stadium were patiently sitting in the stands quietly watching a dog possibly choke to death. <laughs> <laughs> that again, it's not out of the not out of the ordinary for this weird place <laughs> where Snoopy <laughs> is for some reason revered. Yeah, and he's he's filling every power vacuum in this stadium because he's the referee, he's a cheerleader, yes. he's in the band, he's the team physician. Everybody's rooting for him. We can't we have two four six eight. Who do we appreciate? Snoopy, Snoopy, Snoopy. They. Yes. I know he makes the whole crowd complicit in his Snoopy bullshit. And it's it, like, what? He? Why are they cheering for him? He doesn't. Uh, he's not doing anything. No function. <laughs> it it led me. It and and I can't stress this enough. Apparently, he can fucking fly. The question is now. I always thought that this uh, that this town or this compound or whatever was was Lucy's town. She's the sheriff, and everybody else is just living in it. But I felt. Like Snoopy wielded an odd amount of power in this episode. Molly, you, you and I have spent much time sort of puzzling through the power dynamics of this town. What role does Snoopy play in your estimation? Uh, he's the figurehead, I think. I think Lucy props him up as sort of the, the populist kind of leader uh, while she pulls all the strings in the back scenes. The, the Rumsfeld mm -hmm. to his bush. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I buy that. I'd buy that too. <laughs> um, as as bored as I was with the Snoopy stuff, at least it was not football. So, anyways, football, yes. football, football, um, and then finally we are at the homecoming dance. Um, I do they have again? These are quite because I was like a weird kid who just wanted to stay home and like watch television and not really be around people until I realized you could stand on a stage and yell. Um, there are no, there's no such thing as grade school dances, right? Not really. Uh, I don't think so. My first dance was in middle school. It was like a Halloween mm -hmm. dance. Same. I think they had like, you know, um, where we did, um, what's it called? Uh, square dancing. Wow. That kind of stuff in elementary oh school? Oh, yeah. I did that in gym class. <laughs> what? That, what? In which, high school? No, in, uh, in grade school. That was like one oh, of, okay. like the, like, yeah. it was like run around or play soccer or everybody we're going to get out the parachute and like shake it around and that'll be fun. Uh, and then, uh, when 
all other uh, methods of boring children for an hour uh, ran out, it was square dancing time. And uh, I don't think there's any activity I hate more than square dancing. I, I It's just, I find it to be so regimented and so for lack of, again, going back, like there's something, uh, there's something very handmaid's tale about it. Something very like, we're, this is this is what dancing is in America. You yeah. will all stand in line. One person will shout commands, and we will do them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, square dancing was so bizarre, especially uh, where I grew up in Glendale, which is like the most like it's all immigrant kids. So we were like forced to wear these like weird cowboy outfits, <laughs> and it'd be like, hold on, you, your parents have to, you know, you have to dress like Western. And I'd be like, mom, I have to dress Western. And my mom's like, what the hell? So I would wear like weird <laughs> clothes. Cause my mom's like, doesn't know what that even means. I'd wear like, I had like jean skirt, a jean skirt. And I would just wear it with like a really, like a lacy floral blouse or something. And my mom was like, is this it? <laughs> <laughs> and then all the I, white okay, kids were I'm, like wearing a cowboy hat, little matching vest, like fake little sheriff badge boots, and we'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, why did what? That I'm so confused on so many. Like, wait, and this was for like this was for like evening dances, or was no, this? I think for, it'd like, be like Western Day, and then we'd all square dance together. It's probably like a holiday yeah, or something, every- you know, like. I hate every aspect of this, Maureen, and I, I, and I'm dying for you inside. Like we had to do, we had to do square dancing in grade school, but like that was just gym class. I just had to put on my shitty size husky shorts and my ringer tee and get out there and just uh, be be fat and made fun of and fall over. But like I did not. I can't believe you all had to cowboy Curtis it for that shit. Yeah. I mean, I think they thought it was fun, but I I also remember a lot of the kids just wore their normal clothes, like sweatpants. And it was like, oh. Yeah. (laughs) Because even if you tell their parents, their parents like, I don't even know what that means. Like, just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. That sounds more Those festive. Are parents after my own heart. Uh-huh. Yes, we had a pioneer day when I was in in grade school, so that sounds way more festive. Like we didn't have to square dance though; we just like dipped. We made like dipped candles. That was pretty much it. Oh. It was a really mellow elementary school, as I think about that it. That sounds way more fun. I like that so much better. And you didn't have to. Yeah, yes. you didn't have to dress up to dip. Were you candles. acquire like life skills? That's so much more helpful. Well, I don't know if making candles is a life skill, but I appreciate the thought. I mean, I don't, I don't know, Molly. The apocalypse feels like it's 15 fucking minutes away. So true, before, true. before you know it, that's going to be, that's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's I know how to write with a yeah. quill and make candles. So I'll be unstoppable. <laughs> I'm basically yes. Furiosa. Uh, We're going to go to Molly for our like candle needs. <laughs> yeah. Everybody coming up to Seattle and get some candles. <laughs> go, going fast. It's a fire sale. <laughs> And, and speaking of, and speaking of, yes, it was almost a joke. Uh, and speaking of pioneer days again, so we are at, we are at the dance. It is laid out how I, because I never went to dances until my senior prom. Uh, that's right. I was real cool. Uh, I, I, but this is exactly how I pictured it being a multi-purpose room, chairs around a lot of like banners and paper and, and pizzazz and what have you and a bowl of punch. What I was not expecting was that the boys are wearing exactly what they wear all the time, except long pants, and then like dickies. 
and shiny shoes. Oh, they, were- they had very shiny oh. shoes. Did you notice? I didn't, I didn't notice. I did not notice no. their shiny shoes. I guess, I guess I did not, I guess I was, I wasn't looking at shoes enough in this episode. So thank you both for your eagle shoe eyes. <laughs> Uh, it's <laughs> the actual your pants and shoes comment reminds me of an old Calvin and Hobbes comic strip when Hobbes is like Calvin it's summer it's so hot why aren't you wearing shorts and then Calvin just stares at him and he screams I am wearing shorts it's because you know his legs are so short and so <laughs> oh, tiny pants that's a good that's a good comic strip in Illustrated Universe, and they never, ever made dumb specials. Oh, thank God. Uh, he knew better. Uh, yeah, we could, we'll just – now all we have to remember them is, uh, uh, you know, decades or however long of strips, and any time uh, an a-hole's truck passes by, a little <laughs> drawing of Calvin peeing on something. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I was – like, you never see Snoopy whizzing on a can of Bud Light or whatever. Uh, and I guess – No, people I guess, kept that pretty pure. It's a tighter IP. Um, why are they wearing pilgrim collars? Can either of you, can either of you point out, you're both more, I mean, certainly I'm the, I have no oh, concept of that. Oh, because it's homecoming. <laughs> it's because it's homecoming and it's like oh, my mistake. in the fall. Oh, because right? it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. but Well, it's like usually October or the fall, like. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Because mm. homecoming is yeah. supposed to be, I think for all high schools in America, it's supposed to be the time that. All the alumni come back right. in the oh, fall God. to like visit, revisit their wonderful alma maters. Um, I can't, I think I can't think of it, anything worse. Can't yeah, I know. Ugh. I live five minutes away from my old high school, though. <laughs> oh, so do you go hang out a so, lot and just be like, "Hey, kids!" Yeah, I like to be a super senior. <laughs> I'm like thirty six. Like, hey, you're playing guitar in the quad. <laughs> oh my God. Here's, an, here's another song by uh, Maroon 5. Check this out. Uh, <laughs> just giving lessons. You know, all right, kids, stay in school. PSA for me. Have you, uh, because you're so close, did you go and, uh, did you go and, like, uh, uh, talk about your books there or anything? No. I actually offered, so I used to be on the, I was, like, the editor-in-chief of my newspaper, and I reached out to my old advisor, I think. And I said, Hey, I have this book coming out. This is when I had my first book, which is 2013. And like, they did not care. Um, I have a feeling now if I reached out again to do like a school visit, they might be more excited. Um, now that I'm like, I have like three books and seem like a legit author. Um, but also part of me is like, do I want to do that? It, it, no. Probably no. no. I don't want to. I don't want to. I would never. I didn't dream hate of my high school you. experience. I didn't hate high school, but it's not like it was all that great either. Yeah, that 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 sums up high school, uh, <laughs> and uh, not all that great either. <laughs> this should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes, that's it. Hello, hello, Zazzle. We are all about to make thirty-five <laughs> cents. Um, not that great. Not that great either. Uh, sums up uh, this episode coming in for a landing. Thank God. Uh, they're all standing around drinking punch. Uh, and uh, and Linus, uh, I think, reminds him again, like, all right, get get them lips ready, Charlie Brown. It is uh, yep. some mooching time. <laughs> uh, the uh, the Greek choir of, uh, of angry girls walks up to Charlie Brown and hectors him for being terrible, even though it was all entirely Lucy's fault. And this is yet another place where it would have been like, this would be your opportunity, Charlie Brown, to be like, 
Lucy, you pulled the ball away 92 times. Like, I just, I want him to show a little backbone and I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's, maybe it's fear of retribution from Lucy. I'm sure that's it because Lucy's like leading the charge. She's like, boy, you really effed up that game, jerk. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it's all your fault, Lucy. It's all your fault. Well, and like supposedly everybody was so disdainful of him during the football game too, like in the crowds. Do you remember? And he, when every yeah. time he'd come back to sit the bleachers, they'd be like, Ugh. oh, yeah, I actually suck. I took a clip of that because <laughs> it's just clearly like four children in a vocal booth somewhere going, boo. And it sounds like a, <laughs> like like a Korragos from any sort of production of anything Greek you've ever seen. And I was just like, well, Korragos, is, that's what the Charlie Brown universe needs is like some people in masks coming in and being like, Charlie Brown, you really goofed it. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of accent his misery. Uh and ours, um, because that's what because this episode was not but misery. Uh, and the procession begins. The march of pairing up children according to the gender binary begins. Uh, everybody, uh, everybody gets their uh, everybody. Uh, every guy is matched with a uh, a lady. Uh, I, I in a universe such as this, which is uh, in so many ways the opposite of uh, the universe that uh, Maureen works really hard to craft uh, in showing a super diverse uh, Los Angeles, uh, which is, or just Los Angeles, um, mm-hmm. in the Charlie Brown universe, there is Franklin. Uh, and uh, yep. I, I did notice, and it's not, I mean, nobody gets a cookie for this, but I did notice like, oh, he's walking down the carpet with a white girl. And I did not see anything on the, uh, I did not see anything on the wiki that said they got thousands of letters saying, what the F are you doing? So I was like, oh, oh that's like, nice. that's like what in, in thousands of years of peanut specials where Franklin basically just sort of stands around and shrugs. It was like, oh, it's nice that he's like part of the gang and doing something. And I don't know. It, it's fine. I don't even really have a point with it. It's just that it's so rare that they do something that's not dumb <laughs> that I was like, oh, good on you. Yeah, it's true. Um, I I did notice that, but I also was like, is this normal for the show? Um, did they have a non-white princess too? I don't that my think so. Oh, they I'm, didn't. I'm not sure that they did. Yeah. And I think it would have been a really weird gesture if they had invented like a, a girl of color for Franklin to pair with. Like that would be like, oh, weird and, and strange. What is her deal? Like that sort of a Daisy Duck kind of situation. Right, um, right. So I'm glad. I'm glad. I guess they went the route they did. <laughs> and then, yes, and then uh, and then Charlie Brown. After this, uh, after this grand gesture of diversity, uh, th- thanks, thanks Schultz and company. Uh, Charlie Brown and Heather, the little red-haired girl. He well, first of all, he slugs back a thing of punch, uh, and he looks like he is going to pass out. He takes forty-two seconds if not longer, to walk one foot um, and seems like at any moment, again, it's that, uh, that, Maureen, this is a recurring thing in the theme that Molly and I have decided in this universe where children are constantly fainting or woozy, uh, is that there are just randomized slow gas leaks. Um, and, and this seems to be one of those scenarios. So he yeah gets, he seemed unwell unwell mm-hmm. and not not for nothing and we can't put a fine enough point on this he just played a full football game of which we saw every motherfucking second and uh, he got hit in the head 
a skajillion babillion times and got nothing for it but salt and a dog drinking yeah. water. So somebody and at now, some now he's yeah. being forced to kiss somebody. And now forced <laughs> kissing. And it looks like and I just wanted one person to be like, hey bo- boy, you're not well. We need to, we need to shut all of this down. Charlie Brown Charlie Brown's had a full day, okay? He's got a lot on his mind. It's a really long day. <laughs> he's got a lot on his mind, including possibly blood. Um but he's, <laughs> he stumbles and sleepwalks to Heather. Uh, he, she offers her hand. He takes it. She puts out her cheek. He kisses it. It is all very regimented and formalized and just not how I envisioned or how anyone would want to envision their first kiss. Yeah. I was very disappointed by the kiss, but I mean, they try to make it a bigger deal because after he kisses her, it's like crazy graphics to show his Mind being blown. Yeah. He starts tripping, basically. Yeah, it was like a psychedelic moment for the show. Yes. Her, <laughs> her, cheek, her cheek was rubbed with like GHB or LSD or something before she went in. Who the fuck knows? Or, uh, yeah. And then in an episode that reuses the same like three f- cells of animation, uh, over and over again, we do get a very nice, sort of like trip through love loveland uh <laughs> where there's clouds and rainbows and things which maureen and i think i will tie this I'll, I'll tie this back to sort of your spiel about uh the dumbness of uh, how the american industrial romantic complex sells itself to young people um this idea that your first kiss is going to send you straight to a Lisa Frank Trapper (laughs) (laughs) And I I thought it was telling that his sort of post-kiss fantasy didn't involve her in any way. He just kind of went off on his own tear. Yeah, just him. Good call, Molly. Yeah, it's like, and and that's the thing with these like one-sided brain manufactured crushes is that they're never about the other person said Josh Kagan, mm-hmm. expert in love. I, or at least this is or at least I'm theorizing it's all about it's all about your bullshit and all about your expectations and all about and like you have a crush and you don't say anything about it because it's never going to match the thing in your head. Uh without yeah. without getting into too much uh uh probing detail, um I will put out on the table that my first kiss was very nice, but like and it was even a thing like the Brady Bunch had a whole episode like you kiss somebody and you see fireworks. And I, I keep now I keep thinking like a lot of people in the 60s and 70s confused like kissing with like some kind of brain episode. But did, <laughs> and again, I don't. It's not just kissing, though. You know, it's like in romance novels, it's like losing your virginity is super pleasant. <laughs> you know, they, they try to make it like. Oh, it kind of hurts. Like they have to add that in there. Like it'll hurt. And then it's like, and then it's amazing. Then it's so wonderful because the man is so skilled. Mm. He's had sex with a billion women and is like so skilled (laughs) that like you forget that he just went through this crazy experience. I, so yeah, the first kiss being like wonderful is like, what? I mean, I feel like mine was like some spin the bottle thing in middle school or I was. It was just sloppy and like embarrassing, but it is a way for you to obsess about something as a teenager or a kid. Yeah. And I think the kiss on the cheek is different than if Charlie Brown smooched her on the lips, I would have just like slammed my laptop shut. Like, nope, 
can't, will not, refuse yeah. to. But like, I don't remember my first kiss. Like, I, I don't, and not to say like I smooch so many people that it all blurs together. It's just yeah. like nothing. It's just one big smooch. <laughs> it's just, listen, my my age twelve to age seventeen was just a blur of smooching. I just don't, like nothing like that. It just didn't leave an impression on me. And like I know a lot of, right. I have a lot of friends who like their first kiss was because like they were in a school play and they had to kiss another person, and so like oh. they did the like they were gonna do the hand over mouth thing, but then that reads from across the stage, and like sort of that's as close as I've ever heard to the conscripted sort of smooching like like this but i think my first kiss happened au naturel but i have i i can by process of elimination figure out who it was and that's about as much detail as i can gather i love that you're somehow hercule Poirot now just like I'm just <laughs> picturing a lot of like guys uncomfortably shifting in a well-appointed dining room or something and you're just walking around going <laughs> Well, this has been a very I've never read a Agatha Christie novel, so I do not have the I do not have the back end of this bit, damn it. Uh, but it was like, yes, it was you, Hot Lips Johnson, in the kitchen with the lips. I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no, I was just thinking, did I say spin the bottle or spin the tail on the donkey? You said No, spin. you said spin the bottle. You said spin but the spin bottle. The tail, like, it was just going through my head. Spin the spin the tail on the donkey. That's some other shit altogether. I don't even <laughs> That's called Twister. <laughs> yes. Yes, thank God. Yes, thank God. There's never been a Charlie Brown special where they do that. So, uh, Charlie Brown flies through Kiss Cuckoo Land, uh, a Peter Max, Lisa Frank fantasy world, plops down into bed, and I think it sounds like we all had the same thought, which was all a dream, all a dream. And usually, that's my least favorite, you know, thing. But at least, oh, it you know, it preserves the reality of Charlie Brown's relationship with the little red-haired girl, and like we're fine, and I wouldn't be mad at it. But instead, a weirder thing happens. In that it completely and totally fucking happened, and well, according to Linus, oh no, I don't trust. He is Mm. unreliable. Oh no, let's get into this. Oh no, Mm -hmm. that didn't. Do you think that he's that Linus is trying to cover for some more embarrassing truth? Yeah, he's like you were the life of the party, didn't he? Say it was like the life of the party. It was like dancing up a storm. Yep, the hustle, the bump, the chicken, and all of those <laughs> yes, other new dances. The new dances. Yes. But that and that <laughs> follows. That follows, uh, and this is Linus's line. You know, after you gave Heather that long, passionate kiss, uh, which is like yes, which we all saw. Yeah, it was, uh, and it was that was that was not that. And what, Linus, why are you talking like this? And why are you gross? But most, but most importantly, Linus, like, and and now I like, I like the idea that there might be some, like, some gaslighting happening here. And if our theory about randomized gas leaks uh, occurring in this town uh, is true, then it was actual gaslighting. Uh, but uh, yeah, but I think the bigger concern is that Charlie Brown, without drinking any alcohol, woke up the next morning with zero recollection of the night before and again i must i must say get that boy to a hospital (laughs) well he did there was a shot of him taking a a sip from the punch bowl and kind of going and then then running out to to smooch this girl maybe there was something it could have been spiked you know by spike you beat me to it molly lewis (laughs) god God damn, God damn your youthful, non-booze-addled brain. Um, yes. I, 
Yeah, if I were like, <laughs> like if you, Molly, if you and I went out for a night on the town that did not involve boozing, a night of like card games and conversation salons, you know, like you and I always have. Um, and the next morning you were like, yeah, I don't remember any of it. I would be like, oh, okay, well, let's figure out if you're Blue Cross Blue Shield because we got to take you to a doctor because you've forgotten eight hours of your life. <laughs> um, but, uh, but instead, but instead, Linus, like, rubs in the good time that he has, yes. which yeah. as far as, like, a a crazy-making technique goes, I think may even kind of one-up being like, oh, you don't remember? You were an asshole. You put your butt in the punch bowl or whatever. Like, I I think being (laughs) told that you had the greatest night of your life and not remembering it is actually somehow worse. Like, what if he was, like, activated, like the Manchurian candidate or something and had to be tranked, and so they need to feed him this alternate narrative? Like, cause, and it, I'll, I'll drop the clip here. Boy, you were great. You couldn't really dance. Me dance? Then you even danced with all the princesses. You were doing the hustle, the bump, and the chicken, and all those other new dances too. I was? You sure were. You made out with all the other princesses, and you were doing all the modern dances, and then you, you sprouted lasers from your dang eyes. We don't know how you did it. Like, and just like every every detail, it's like okay, so like Linus, I know that like a good lie is like <laughs> a good lie is in the details. I get it, but like you gotta like tone it back a little bit, my man. Or it happened. Or it happened. Mm-hmm. Or it happened. What do you think, Maureen? Did it happen? I just didn't believe it. I feel like maybe he did something embarrassing, and Linus is trying to be a good friend. But I'm torn between evil Linus I, and like good Linus. That's always kind of the, the tension of Linus in these animated yeah, specials. I, I find think it's a gray area. Yes, Linus. Linus, I think he's right? I think he's an operative of his sisters, and I like Molly's theory that people are sort of <laughs> actually. It explains a lot about Linus's behavior because he kind of goes back and forth between being like a really good, smart, warm-hearted, supported friend, and then just like a pontificating a-hole or just a drudge. Um, And I have to assume, I have no choice but to assume that he is uh, like everybody, Lucy's puppet. I agree. Um, And then, and then Charlie Brown's like, well, I guess I'm dumb and I don't remember any of it. And Charlie Brown's and then Linus is like, well, it was your first kiss. Charlie Brown, shrug emoticon, throw to credits. The end. The end of this terrible, terrible waste of space, <laughs> awful, no good, very bad special. I can't, I would never, I would never recommend this to anyone. And I want the, uh, I want the hour of let my life back that I lost watching it twice. Oh, you did watch it twice. Mm. I, hey, I'm I'm doing real research here. This is not one of these fly by night podcasts. I'm <laughs> I'm watching it twice. I, I'm giving it at least I, fifty five minutes. I feel like I was supposed mm. I should have watched it twice because it was like hard yep. for me. But I'm like I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to it. <laughs> no, I you you got the gist of it. That's really all we need. I was like I saw Peppermint Patty uh, sandals. That was good. There's a lot of football, and there was indeed smooching. As promised. Like it said on the tin. Yes. Uh, Before we wrap up uh, this uh, thoroughly garbage episode, uh, so delightfully, however, uh, uh, analyzed uh, by Ms. Gu and Ms. Lewis, uh, um, any final thoughts? One note that I made that we didn't get to because it was part of the football bullshit, but um, 
Woodstock uh, was sort of the news crew for the football game, and I thought his little camera that he had was so cute. And then I checked myself because I was like, if they gave that, if they gave a camera to Pigpen, it would be the same drawing. Why is it that when they draw something in miniature, <laughs> why is it so adorable? It is so cute, though. It says TV on the side. That's how you know. <laughs> it's a GoPro. It's a GoPro that they like made a little shell around, a little cardboard candy shell. It records on microfilm. Yes. <laughs> I did appreciate um, Pigpen getting to. He also That's got to true. an escort. Um, that was nice of them. And although they were a little repulsed by him, I felt like his date was like, it's fine. She <laughs> could have been meaner. I was waiting for a meaner yes, moment. Very she courtly. was kind. That, that was nice. Yeah. It was. That's, yeah. Well, you know what? I take it back. This was a great episode. Uh, <laughs> this, this, however, was a great episode. Maureen, Thank you so much for uh, taking an hour and change of your time to talk about uh, just really just a terrible half hour of television. Uh, you are uh, delightful and hysterical. Please, <laughs> pa- please tell uh, tell our listeners out there uh, where they can find you on the Internet. And if you are a coming to their town, promoting your new book. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maureen Goo, which is I spell my first name a little weird, M A U R E N E. Um, and I don't know, I don't have that much. I'm going to New Orleans this weekend for a library conference, but I will be in Texas, in Irving, Texas in July, July 26th. Ooh. Uh, yep. And then I'm going to be in Montclair, California with, um, another YA author, Morgan Matson on June 26th. And so far, I think like I don't really have any more summer events. Uh, they might come though, yeah. so you can just check it out on social cool, cool. media. Yeah. FYI, uh, this episode's going out July twentieth, so that's the week of. If you're in Texas, that's this week. Get out there! <laughs> oh, all right, this go, week. Go, go. This week, yes. Um, excellent. Well, Maureen, again, thank you so much, yeah. uh, and please come back any old time. And I promise you, we will find uh, a special that is not the worst thing that you've ever watched. Although this went, but this, it makes it more fun. It makes it more fun. This did go so we well. all suffered together. Uh, I wish it makes me wish that somebody hadn't already called dibs on Flash Beagle. But the eighties are a terrible and horrifying time in many ways, but especially for peanut specials. Uh, so we will uh, we will definitely love to have you back. Uh, and for Peanuts Gallery, I'm Josh Kagan, and I'm Molly Lewis. You're Maringu. I don't know. Am I supposed to say? You know what? We We don't really have a standard set up, honestly. I guess guess we know who you are. (laughs) I'm Maureen Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. The show. This has been Peanuts Gallery. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) What good is it to do anything, Linus, if you can't remember what you did? Thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, tweeting about us at Peanuts Podcast, or telling a friend. Thanks to Lard D'Souza for the graphics, Ken Plume for the blandishment, Waffle Media for the nickels, and Sparky, Bill, and Lee for everything else. If you'd like to buy an official Peanuts Gallery meat lump plush, you can't because they don't exist. But you can turn a dirty sock inside out and put googly eyes on it, and you're basically there. 